Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio this morning. We are so glad that you were here this morning. Over this last year, we've been celebrating the 175 years of ministry of First Presbyterian Church right here in San Antonio. And you've heard me say before, if you've been, if you've been here over these last 10 months, that, that our church was founded as a mission. San Antonio was founded as a mission city. There were five Spanish missions established here, but our church was the first Protestant mission to San Antonio, but it was not just established for the sake of San Antonio. It was established to be a mission point, a launch pad for the mission to South Texas, to Mexico, and beyond. When John McCullough and that group of Christians from Columbia, Texas came here to establish a church, they came here with the mind to bring the gospel to not only to San Antonio, but to Mexico itself so that people would know and hear and experience the word of God and the covenant promises of Jesus Christ for themselves as they were introduced to the words of scripture. That's not just a part of what we do. That is at the core of our identity. And that's why mission and our historic relationship to the church in Mexico and to, to Presbyterian churches in South Texas are not just a part of our mission. They are at the foundation of our mission. We cannot be First Presbyterian Church without remembering these historic priorities. And that's why as part of our 175th year, the last couple of weekends, we've been highlighting the ways that we are still connected to the Mission Church in South Texas, in Mexico, and how those churches have now continued to feed us as we once fed them. And so as we have exchanged uh, ideas, pastors, thoughts, opportunities, and most of all, the good news of Jesus Christ with one another. So today in celebration of these historic events and these historic relationships, we're pleased to welcome to First Presbyterian Church, Reverend Hector Reynoso. Uh, Hector is the pastor of Genesis Presbyterian Church in Mercedes, Texas, and he has been there for 19 years. He and his wife, Carmen, have been have been laboring in that church for those years. He is the son of a Presbyterian pastor. And I will say, uh, because of stories that you're about to hear, that he is one of the bravest men that I've ever met. He is a man who I met originally in a denominational meeting, and, uh, and I have been an admirer of his ever since. He is a gentle soul, but bold. He is uh, a wonderful storyteller, and you are going to be blessed by what you hear from him this morning. And so would you join me in welcoming Hector Reynoso to the pulpit? Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you. Let us listen to the word of the Lord in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, and Philippians 1, verse 21. First, 
I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if, by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Philippians 1.21 For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let us pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your holy word. And Lord, we pray, we ask, we beg, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to work in our minds, in our hearts, in all our being, as we listen to your word read and proclaimed. In Jesus' mighty, glorious name we pray. Amen. No greater treasure. Many years ago, in the early 1900s, there was a man who lived in Mexico. His last name was Garcia. He was a devout Catholic along with all his family and relatives. At that time, there were very few Protestant Christians in Mexico. Most of the country was Catholic. One of Mr. Garcia's children was a young lady named Virginia. I would like to invite you all to say that with me, please. Virginia. In English, Virginia. Now please keep this name in mind since I will mention her again. I do not know much about Mr. Garcia, but I will tell you what I know. This story begins in the late 1800s and early 1900s when Methodists and Presbyterians in the United States had sent missionaries into Mexico. Texcala, the town where Mr. Garcia and his family lived, was the area designated to the Methodists. One day, 
As Mr. Garcia was walking on the street with his son-in-law, Virginia's husband, he passed by the Methodist mission. As they were passing by, a Methodist missionary invited them to come in to a Bible study. Mr. Garcia and Virginia's husband thought about it and decided to go in and check it out. They must have attended these studies two or three times only. Mr. Garcia and his son-in-law started studying the Bible with the Methodists, but thinking all along that there was only one church. They had not realized that these Bible studies were not Catholic. From the very first time that they attended the Bible study, they were struck with the teachings of Scripture. And they said to each other on the way home, we cannot keep this quiet. We need to tell our whole family and the church, meaning the Catholic Church. At that time, it was strictly forbidden for Catholics in Mexico to read the Bible. Besides, the Mass was heard only in Latin. It was not until the 1970s that Catholics in Mexico were allowed to read the Bible. In any case, one of the first teachings that struck them like a lightning was the teaching of the Ten Commandments, specifically Commandments 1 and 2. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Then they learned that there was no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. No saints, no virgins, only Christ. And my friends, just like that, their world was turned upside down. Everything they thought they knew Everything they thought they knew about God and the church was put into question with just two teachings. Just two teachings from the Holy Word of God. Mr. Garcia and his son-in-law went home. They all lived in the same house. When Mr. Garcia got home, he immediately took down all the saints and images that they worshipped, prayed, and bowed down to. He also resolved that he was going to go to the church, the Catholic church, that is, in order to tell them to do the same. Remember, he thought that there was only one church. One of his relatives, in disagreement, quickly went to the priest and told him that Mr. Garcia had become a Christian and wanted to come to the church and take down all the saints and all the images. Remember that at this time, Mexico was close to 100% Catholic. This was also a time in which the Catholic priests had immense power in the community. 
The priest of the Catholic Church was now informed that Mr. Garcia and his family had become Christians, that is, followers of Jesus Christ. At this time in the history of Mexico, the term Christians was only used for Protestants. Soon after, not many days later, one evening, the Catholic priest rang the church bells, calling the whole town to gather at the church. Once the people were there, he began to tell them about Mr. Garcia and his family and that what they had done and desired to do could not be allowed. He proceeded to give them instructions and commanded them to burn and kill Mr. Garcia and all his family. The people were obedient to the priest's commands. They armed themselves with sticks, stones, and torches, and anything else they could find. As they were getting ready to commit such atrocity, the same relative that had gone to the priest to inform him that the Garcias were now followers of Jesus had a change of heart and sneaked out and ran to the Garcia's home. He had to outrun the crowd. When he arrived, he frantically knocked on the door. And as soon as the door was open, he began to tell Mr. Garcia and his whole family, you have to leave immediately. You have to get out of this house right now. The priest and all the people are coming to burn you alive. Go, go, go now. There was no time to think, no time to plan, no time to collect belongings, no time to have a family meeting, no time to pray. The people were coming. They were literally coming with fire in their hands, ready to burn them alive. Virginia, one of the daughters, always remembered how she saw the people coming with torches. She remembered that they had to escape through the windows. They had to leave it all behind. All they were left with was what they were wearing at the time. Following Jesus had a price. The people saw them escape, so they ran after them. Mr. Garcia took his family and they ran and ran as far as they could go. They ran, not only the adults, but also the children, Virginia's children. They ran and ran until they came to a river and their legs could simply go no more. The children were exhausted. The whole family was depleted of strength ready to faint. They stopped and knelt down in prayer, knowing that the end of their lives had come. Yet, now they knew that eternal life with Christ was awaiting them. Relentlessly, aggressively, and violently, the people kept coming toward them, from her kneeling and praying position, Virginia looked up 
and saw the people coming. And then they suddenly stopped. The family could see the people with their torches, with their stones, and with their sticks. Yet the crowd dared not take one more step. And then, little by little, one by one, they retrieved until all were gone. This gave the family an opportunity to escape. They settled in a city called Rio Apisaco. As the years went by, Virginia and her husband, Mr. Juan Macias, moved to Orizaba, Veracruz. There she became a very successful businesswoman. One day, a man at her store recognized her. This man had been the relative that told the priest about them, and the same man that ran to tell them to leave. Ironically, he was also one of the many persecuting them that night. They talked for a while. They talked about everything that had happened that night. And the man said to Virginia, What I or any of us there that night were never able to understand was how in your family got the army to defend you. We were ready to kill you, to burn you, when the soldiers stood in front of us. We had to turn back. Virginia said, what are you talking about? We did not see any soldiers. We did not see any army. After the man left, Virginia understood that the Lord of hosts, the creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, had stopped those that were persecuting them. She understood. It had been the army of the Almighty that protected them. Over the years, Virginia had eight children. In Orizaba, Veracruz, there were no Methodist churches. But there was a Presbyterian church. Virginia and all of her family and her descendants after her attended that church. And many of her descendants still attend today. The church is called La Santísima Trinidad, which means the Most Holy Trinity. I attended that church for a whole year when I was in the fourth grade. My great-grandmother, Virginia, lived to be 106 years old. Her mind was fully present, so were her teeth, her hearing, her eyesight. She could walk on her own without a cane until she went to be with the Lord God Almighty. One of Virginia's girls was named Neftali. Neftali had a son, 
and he grew up to be a Presbyterian pastor. His name was Ángel Reynoso, my dad. He is now with the Lord. Ángel married Mati, whose family also suffered much for the gospel, and they had four children. Responding to God's call to serve him in the United States, Ángel and Mati and their children moved to the United States in 1983. Our family moved to Fresno, California to work with the Cumberland Presbyterian Church and the United Presbyterian Church. The same year that we arrived, the Presbyterian Church USA came into existence and the Reverend Angel Reynoso and his whole family automatically became part of the PCUSA. Of their four children, one was called to be, one was called by God to be a pastor. And he is now the pastor of Genesis Presbyterian Church in Mercedes, Texas, in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. He married a beautiful Puerto Rican Christian young lady. Her name is Carmen. And now they have a lovely teenage girl who, except for Jesus Christ himself, is their greatest treasure. At some point, Hector, his family and congregation, had to make a decision that would cost them dearly. Following Christ had a price. The denomination to which we belong departed from the teachings of the Lord. And even though many pastors, elders, and members called her to repentance, that denomination refused to listen. Challenged and confronted by the word of God, we were forced to make a choice. Whether to follow, serve, and worship Christ as the Father has revealed him in his holy word, or follow, serve, and worship a false version of Christ created by humans, a self-serving version of Christ. We had to choose where to follow Christ, the Son of the living God, one with God and God himself, or follow a deceiving concept of Christ which can only come from the Father of lies. We had to decide whether to follow the one and only Redeemer of God's people, the one and only Savior and Lord, or follow a false and deceiving concept of a Christ who was presented as one of the many ways to reach God. How? How could we? How could we follow a false God when the Lord said, you shall have no other gods before me? That commandment which God gave to Moses and his people, that commandment that God gave to Mr. Garcia and Virginia and her children, that commandment God gave to us and to you as well. Therefore, empowered by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Word of God, our congregation decided to leave the denomination. Therefore, we disaffiliated along with two other Hispanic churches in the Rio Grande Valley. Doing this meant losing our building, losing our finances, 
losing three acres of land and losing a cemetery. To the day, we still don't have a building in which to gather for worship. Following Christ had a high cost for us. I praise the Lord for my great, my great, great grandfather, Mr. Garcia, even though I do not know his name. I praise the Lord for my great grandmother, Virginia. I praise God Almighty for my grandmother, Neftali, and I praise him for my parents, Angel and Mati. With the help of the Holy Spirit, they have done or they did all they could in order to pass down the faith generation after generation. Now, with God's help, my wife Carmen and I are trying to do the same. Dear friends, dear brothers and sisters of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, just as Paul the Apostle was eager to visit the church in Rome, so have I been eager to visit First Presbyterian Church. I want you to know how much I thank the Lord for your witness throughout 175 years. Today I am here so that we can encourage each other with our mutual faith in Jesus Christ. Your faithfulness to God, your generosity toward missionaries, your prayers and generous gifts to many small churches encourage many people, including me, my family, and our congregation, Genesis Presbyterian Church. The Word of God says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I want to encourage all of you in your walk with God. How? By reminding you of our greatest treasure, Jesus Christ and His gospel. Jesus Christ and His gospel. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, by God's grace, through faith, we are children of the only true and living God. He is our Father. That is why we can be certain of God's promises to His elect. As children of God through Jesus Christ, we can be certain of this. That when the dark times come, when the troubles overwhelm us, that when life just seems to fall apart, that when we do not seem to have enough finances to last a week, that when sicknesses, sickness overwhelms our whole family, our congregation, and our nation, and that when we experience persecution, when the world seems to be falling apart, when depression comes, and it seems that nothing will lift us up, that when there seems to be no more reason to keep fighting, that when we are crying inside, even if no one notices, we can be certain that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit revives our soul again and reminds us of the word of the Lord who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have your name 
I have your name carved in the palm of my hand. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God. Because of the power of the gospel, when we are down and can't sink any lower, the Lord God Almighty reminds us that He is our Creator, that He is our God, that He is our Father, that He chose us, that He chose you in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, since before the foundation of the world, that He loves us, that He loves you so much that His Son, Jesus Christ, took your place at the cross. He reminds us that those who hope, that those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. My brothers and sisters, there is no greater treasure than Jesus Christ and his gospel. There is no greater treasure than Jesus Christ and his gospel. My brothers and sisters, there is no greater treasure than Jesus Christ and his gospel. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Para mí el vivir es Cristo, y el morir es ganancia. We are not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. We are not ashamed of the gospel. First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio is not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we understand that God's grace is sufficient for us. We may lose it all in following Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. But in Jesus Christ, we already have it all. God bless you.